This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. All right, what is going on? My guest today needs no introduction, Sal Stefano. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I've, uh, I'm excited to be on your podcast. I know you and I have talked before and you've actually, uh, I think, written some content for us in the past, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is honestly a pretty surreal thing for me. So in 2016, when I, I trained at the rec center for a couple of years before I really kicked off like my full-time career as a trainer. And in 2016, like when I was first getting crazy busy as a trainer, Mind Pump, like all I did was train people, listen to Mind Pump, then go home and like watch the Mind Pump YouTube channel to like learn how to teach people form. It was, so you guys have had a massive impact on me, my career as a trainer, and then even like starting writing the blog for you guys. And then you were actually the guy that told me like, dude, you got to start posting on social media if you want to make this into an online business. And that for me, like, I think that was October, 2017. And then that for me, October, 2018, I actually went fully online but like so basically what i'm saying is i have you a lot to thank you for so it's cool to have you here man no i really really appreciate um you saying that it's very humbling i mean we've i've just been doing this for a long time so i've I've through uh you know a lot of the stumbling blocks and and you know how to build a business and how to work with clients and all that stuff but it makes me really happy to see good people like you uh, succeeding and doing well. Um, the, the, our space needs more good trainers with integrity who really want to help people and who are interested in growing themselves because um, fitness has the, the uh, you know, fitness could be the answer to a lot of our health problems. And the only way it's going to do that is with trainers. I mean, I, you know, we're, we're media and we spread lots of information and we have an impact, but we have, I mean, our impact pales in comparison on a one-on-one level to, you know, a, a trainer or a coach and the kind of impact that they can have on a client. I know this, I train people for 20 <laughs> right. years. So I know that the, the soldiers, uh, you know, uh, on the battlefield are the trainers. You're the ones that are in the coaches. You're the ones that are going to really steer, or, you know, change the direction of this ship and, and steer it in the right way. So although our, our podcast is, is geared for a, a general audience, we always, in the back of our mind, we're always talking to trainers and coaches. And we actually, I mean, you know, you listen to our show. We probably, you know, direct statements and stuff to trainers all the time because uh, we know you guys are the ones doing it. You're the ones that are really doing it. So I'm, I'm glad to see that you're doing well. And that, that means a lot, man. And I, I think you really touched on something interesting there. A shift I've seen is I think that trainers are, trainers and coaches are starting to be seen a lot more as more than okay just the person that gives you macros in a training program right like we're here to help our clients with the holistic picture of their lives right right it's like um you know it's like having a guide what are they what do they call those guys that take you to the top of like really tall mountains sherpas Mm, yes sir yes sir okay so it's like you get a guide and they're leading you up the mountain it's not like they just give you a map and say here follow the map and you'll get there they're not just, also, you're not just following them, uh, although following them is a lot better than just having a map. They're also experienced with the pitfalls, the challenges, the struggles of the entire um, journey and the process. And so a really good coach is that. 
a really good coach, you know, knows that uh, although they may have a lot of the answers, that the right answers aren't there yet, that they start to pop up as you lead this client through this, this journey, because it is a journey and it is, I mean, we're, we're, what we're, what we're talking about are, are permanent changes in the way people live. That's what we're trying to do. You know, you take somebody who's unhealthy, overweight, and not active and hasn't been ever, or maybe the last time they were active is when they played sports, totally different than, you know, not realistic compared to their life now. And in order for them to achieve the type of long-term health that they say they want, we know that that's going to require lots of changes in very, you know, uh, important parts of their life, you know, like the way you eat, you know, the way you eat is a, a very big part of you. It's a routine. It's also a part of how you celebrate and how you deal with stress. And, you know, so that's a big part of everything. So we're going to ask you to change that, right? Right, We're going to ask you to now insert, uh, you know, a few hours of, of dedicated activity every week and not just any activity, proper activity, which requires you initially to follow my lead, but eventually requires you to listen and learn about your own body and know how to train your own body. It also requires you to change your mindset about how you think about things and how you treat your body. These are not small, uh, easy tasks, not at all. I mean, I can, I can, some, I can write it down on a, a chalkboard and tell you exactly what to do. Here's your calories, your macros and whatever. But that's not, that's not what works. It's a person has to learn how to change those things. And it's a long journey. So the trainer's job or the coach's job is to guide them to be that person that walks with them uh, through the process, um, has the patience, has the empathy, understands the, the person's experience and context, um, and, and, and gets them there. And it takes time. Sometimes it takes a long time. I mean, I had, you know, I had clients who you know, would hire me because they want to lose 30 pounds, and it took three years. You know, it took three oh, years for them to lose 30 pounds but they never gained it back ever. You know, here we are, you know, 15 years later and the weight never came back because I led them through that process and it took us three years to get there. Right, right. And something huge you touched on there, man, was despite you maybe being able to write down a list of like every single person, this every single thing this person needs to do to achieve their end goal, our job as coaches isn't to just say, do this, this, and this, and you'll crush it, right? Like it's kind of helping people get out of their own way and make these realizations on their own. For you, was there like a specific moment when you kind of started to understand that as opposed to, because I know for me, when I started coaching, I thought my job was literally like, I just tell people to work out, tell them what to do with their nutrition. And that's how I get them results. And I know for me, like realizing this was a big paradigm shift. Do you remember like any point in your coaching career where that kind of clicked for you? Yeah, it took years because um, I was, you know, I, 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 I can speak and communicate really well. I think um, I'm good at motivating and inspiring, you know, people like to be around me. So initially as a trainer, I was very successful, right. which kind of masked or hid the, that I truly wasn't successful. So let me explain. You know, when I first became a trainer back in, I want to say 1997, I was 18 years old. And I walked into the gym and I it just, I, I just took to it. And immediately, I mean, within the first month, I was breaking sales records uh, at the, you know, I worked at 24 Fitness at the time in the company. Within four months, I was put in charge of all the trainers. I was a fitness manager and then we were crushing and I was still training clients. And, you know, so I, I felt successful because people hired me 
it was easy for me to get people to sign up for personal training. I could teach trainers how to do that. And so I thought I was being quite successful. Well, uh, you know, a few years into it, you know, I, I started to kind of realize that my true success rate, if, it, rate, if I measured it as, uh, you know, long-term success of my clients. So if I measured my success in terms of clients that actually got, you know, the progress that they wanted, but then also kept it and it didn't go back, right? That, that was terrible. I looked right. at it and I said, gosh, you know, I've been doing this for four years or five years and 80 or 90% of the people that I work with, the minute they don't work with me anymore um, and sometimes they just, you know, stop or sometimes they, they still have sessions left and they stop and sometimes they even keep working with me. They gain the weight back. They go back to the old patterns. I'm not making, I'm not helping them make real long-term fundamental change, you know, right. and I had to, I had to really look at that and examine it. And, and that's when I started to kind of change, you know, my approach. And I'll give you an example of, of, of the difference between the two approaches. The early approach, uh, if, if a client came to me and said, I don't have a, a lot of time uh, to dedicate to exercise. I've got kids. I have a job. You know, I have a spouse at home and things to worry about. And I just don't have a lot of time to dedicate. Now, the, the, the early version of me, you know, when I first became a trainer, would have said something like, so I would have said something like, look, we all have 24 hours in the day. Um, all of us have to decide how we prioritize our time. <laughs> if, right. you, if you exercise properly and eat right and make that a priority, that's going to open up more time for all the other things that you enjoy, like your family, like, you know, like your job, you're going to be more productive at work. Look, here's these studies that show that. Look, here's all this time that you're wasting um, because your health isn't as good as it could be. So the reality is you need to make the time because it's really important. Now, all those things I just said are very true. Right. And you, you might even hear that and get a little bit motivated like, oh, that sounds kind of good. But the reality is it was a very, very terrible way to communicate that message. And it's, it worked on some people. And the people that it did work on, the, the, the button that I was pushing was the motivation button, which is a temporary way to get people to to succeed because motivation waxes and wanes there's not a single person on this earth who's always constantly motivated it just don't work that way so it just was an ineffective long-term strategy and then there were people i turned off there lots of people who would come to me they'd look at me they'd see this guy who's loves working out loves going to the gym loves eating right doesn't have kids doesn't have all these you know things to worry about and this guy is telling me i need to prioritize my time better like <laughs> i don't connect with this person whatsoever Right. Now, the, the later version, the more experienced version, would have responded like this. Uh, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, I don't have a lot of time. I have three kids. Uh, I have a spouse. I have a job. I have a lot of other responsibilities. I just don't have a lot of time to dedicate to exercise. I would have simply said this. How much time do you think you have? That, how much time do you know you can dedicate to exercise now? Like, what can we work with? Right. Uh, one, one hour a week. No problem. That's what we're going to work with. That's it. I'm done. I'm not motivating, inspiring. I'm literally taking what you're telling me and I'm working with that. Now, why is that more effective? It's more effective for a couple different reasons. One, uh, the person feels validated, okay? So if, the, if it's the person who doesn't connect with me and, the, and you know, I, I say to them, well, how much time do you have? I can see that you are busy and it sounds like your schedule is kind of crazy. What, how much time can you dedicate? Now they've been validated. Like, okay, cool. There's trainers kind of listening to me. They, they, they're validating me. But number two, here's why it's truly successful. Because I know when I get that person to come in one day a week 
and commit to that. And this is what they can do realistically. And that's fine. I know I'm going to show them some improvements. I know they're going to feel better. And then I know the following will happen. It's like clockwork. Eventually they come back to me and they say, Hey, Sal, can you work with me one more day a week? I think I got more time. Or what are some things I could do at home on my own to, you know, to, to, to scale this? Because I feel like one day a week has been working good. I think I want to add more. And over time, they make those decisions themselves and it becomes permanent change. So that's, that's the exam. That's the difference between the two approaches, uh, you know, when you, when it comes to communicating to your clients. Right. Okay. I love that, man. And I had, I had the, a very similar experience. I realized like same as you, my clients that were leaving were all like almost immediately falling off the wagon. Everybody was getting burned out. And like, yeah, like similar to you because I listen to mind pump so much, I could basically regurgitate anything I heard on mind pump in a sales presentation. I could sell a lot and I had a lot of clients, but people weren't sustaining their results long-term. So same thing. I felt like it wasn't making an impact long-term, but I also feel like at the start when you kind of realize the shift of like your job as a coach, isn't to just prescribe things, prescribe things, prescribe things, but rather kind of like help people make these realizations on their own. It's almost feels kind of lazy in a sense. Like you're asking questions instead of just information dumping on people. Right. No, you know, it's actually uh, much harder, okay, because, uh, you know, just giving someone the answer is a very expedient way of, of solving the problem. Right. Asking questions and having patience requires a lot more skill and it takes a lot, you know, it's a lot harder. I remember years ago, there was this, this couple that I trained, husband and wife, and I trained them separately. And the wife, you know, this was early, early days. So this is when I would like, you know, weigh and measure my clients and test their body fat, you know, every other week or whatever to keep them, you know, quote unquote, keep them on track. And, you know, he was progressing pretty well. He was burning body fat and muscle and all that stuff, you know, building muscle. She wasn't progressing. In fact, she started to gain body fat and gain weight. Now I would have them follow a meal plan back then. Back then I would, again, I would just give people answers. Just eat this and you'll, you'll lose weight. So she would tell me, no, I'm eating exactly everything that you have written down. I'm eating everything. And it, she just kept getting, get, she was gaining body fat slowly. It didn't make any sense. Finally, her husband, when I was training him on a, his session, he says, look, he goes, don't tell my wife that I'm telling you this. She goes, but she's eating like desserts and cookies and stuff. And she's, she doesn't want to tell you. I know it. But so she's definitely not eating the meal plan that you gave her. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have one of those, like, come to Jesus talks with her. So <laughs> she comes in, I sit down with her at a desk, and I basically hammer her. And I tell her, look, if you really want this, like you said, you need to be honest with me, and you're only cheating yourself. And I thought I was motivating her, you know, I thought I was inspiring her. You're only cheating yourself. You need to get serious. If you do what I tell you, you're going to get to where you want to go. If that's not what you want, then that's fine. Just tell them whatever. So did this whole thing. Anyway, she never came back. She never, I was so proud of myself for this, this come to Jesus talk, never came back. And then I realized later on, like, wow, okay, fine. So she came and trained with me twice a week and ate poorly, way better than not exercising at all. Now she's not doing anything. What have I done? You know, what have I done? Right. Now, you know, the, the, a better approach would be to have this conversation. Hey, look, um, you might not feel comfortable enough to tell me that you're eating things that are probably contributing to some of your fat gain, which I totally understand and is totally fine. If you don't want to tell me, you don't have to. Here's what I'm always going to do. When you show up to the gym, I'm going to make sure I train you 
properly and appropriately. I'm always going to train you good. And I want you to know that you can tell me anything when it comes to nutrition. I totally understand. This is a long journey and it's difficult for a lot of people. And I think you're doing very well on the workout part. You're showing up and we're having a good time and you're making strides with the nutrition as well. But I just want you to know, you can tell me if you need to, but no need to do that now. That's it. Right. Totally right. different, totally different approach. And I guarantee I would have kept her. Eventually she would have talked to me about it. And I eventually would have been able to guide her in the right way to make those changes rather than blow her out the doors. She probably had a bad experience with the trainer, which was me. And who knows if she ever went back to fitness. Okay. Okay. That's, I, I love that story, man. Um, I think that's very applicable because I know we've all been there. One thing I want to ask you, do you think there ever is a place in your coaching to kind of have like these come to Jesus talks, so to speak? You know, every conversation is, is like that. And what I mean by that is it's just, you're just honest. You're just honest, but empathetic. Don't lie, but be honest and empathetic. So your client, you know, they may uh, say to you, Hey, what do you think if I drink, you know, a glass of wine every night? You say, well, It'll take you longer to get to your goals, um, but if you enjoy it, you're not abusing it, then it's it's fine. I'm just being honest, you know. Right. Hey, Sal, uh, what what if I go? What if on the weekends I, I want to go and just you know eat a bunch of pizza and whatever? I say, well, you know, enjoy yourself. Make sure it's you're connecting with friends over it and stuff like that. It'll take you longer to get to your goals, but that's not a problem if you're okay with that. Like you're just honest. That's what that that's what you. Those are the kind of conversations you should have. That's integrity but have some empathy too. So it's not the anger. It's not the scolding, you know, it's just, you're being totally honest. Hey, John, look, you, you, you know, you, you went out with your friends last weekend and you, you went binge drinking. You felt like crap the next day. Yeah. It's going to take you longer to get to your goals. Yeah. It wasn't great for your health, but whatever. If you're ready to get back on track, let's do it now. If you're not, let me know. Either way, uh, I'm going to support you the best way I can. Like you're just being honest. Okay. That, that makes the client feel like they can come to you. And it makes the client learn how to empathize with themselves, with themselves as well. Because one of the biggest challenges you'll find as a trainer is self-judgment that clients will have on themselves. They'll start to judge themselves. Like, oh man, I, I missed, you know, last month. I didn't even work out with you at all, all month. And, you know, what's the use? I'm not going to work out or I'm such a loser. I ate, you know, really bad yesterday. What's wrong with me? I can't, I don't understand. And, and you know what, people, they don't like feeling that way. And eventually what they do is they just stop meeting with you all together. Right. Like, I don't want to have to deal with this shame all the time. Hey, you just be honest, empathetic. No problem. Let's move forward. You know, no problem. Let's just keep moving forward. If you screw up, okay, I screw up too. Not a big deal. Right. No. And that's, I think that the biggest thing that most new coaches need to realize is that like your clients already feel shitty about, like if they fell off track, they already feel pretty shitty about it. You making them feel shittier likely isn't going to be as helpful as like collaborating to find a way to like, okay, how do we like, if this isn't something you want to continue happening, like how do we look past like just try harder and like what can we change or like what's going on here that we can like work through even mentally to help this not be such a problem in the future. Again, if it's something you don't want to keep happening. Yeah. Well, I would ask questions around it, you know? So, um, right. you know, Hey, you know, Hey Sal, yesterday I, I ate a whole pizza, you know, or I ate a whole sleeve of Oreo cookies. Like, I, I, you know, this is what I'll say to them. I'll say, okay, well let's, let's talk about this for a second. Um, how did you feel before you ate the cookies? You know, let's dive into that for a second. Oh, I was really stressed out. Okay. 
Now, while you were eating the cookies, how did you feel? Uh, well, you know, I, I was enjoying, you know, the cookies. Now, did you feel like, you know, you couldn't get them in your mouth fast enough? Like you have one, you're chewing on it and you're just waiting for the next one. Yes. Okay. It sounds like you were distracting yourself maybe with food or just trying to comfort yourself with food. How did you feel after? Well, my stomach hurt, this and that. Okay. So look, let's come up with a, another strategy for dealing with that kind of stress. Um, something that maybe isn't as, you know, maybe doesn't have as many uh, negative side effects as eating a bunch of cookies. So here's some other options or things you can try. Or um, look, eating a cookies, I get it. Let's put a barrier between you and the cookies so that next time that happens, you have to jump through a couple hoops, which will give you time to stop that cycle. So what I suggest you do is don't have cookies in your house, but if you really want them, drive to the store. So at least you have to get in the car and drive there and it'll give you enough time to be a little bit more self-aware so that you don't get in that compulsive you know, behavior. You know, how does that sound? You know, that's the kind of conversation I would have. I love that, man. Um, that's actually, I was having such a similar conversation with one of my clients just this morning. She texted me about <laughs> smashing a bunch of tortilla chips last night. And that's what we're talking through. Like, okay, so like, tell me where you were coming from. Like, how were you feeling when this started? And then we're literally talking through like, okay, so what are some things we could change in your environment to make this less likely to happen? Or like make you consciously have to think about this instead of like just subconsciously without even thinking about it like just starting eating all these chips so like maybe you could eat gum when you're more tempted to snack or like you said put it out of your reach and then like really diving into what was like the what really caused this to happen in the first place and something i found super helpful in situations like this is setting up if then um if then situation so like we identify like okay stress is the emotion that causes this to happen with you consistently. So like you're stressed, you've identified this often causes you to eat. So what we want to do is like we set up the scenario where if I feel blank emotion, then I do this behavior first. So for some people it's like, just take five deep breaths or I go on a two minute walk, something like that. I found just different strategies like that are crazy helpful as opposed to just, okay, so why don't you just try harder next time to not do that? Yeah, you're, you're, what, you're do, what you're trying to do with that is you're trying to create a new, a new uh, pattern. You know, in, in exactly. movement, we call it a recruitment pattern. So, like, if you – the way you walk is very unconscious, right? You just, you just walk. You don't think to yourself of every step that you take and how you're holding your posture and all that stuff. Now, if you wanted to change the way that you walked, you would have to be very conscious of creating a new pattern before it became automatic, okay? It would be something you'd have to think about for a while – You'd have to practice it long enough. Then you would create this new pattern of walking that would become unconscious. Okay, so oftentimes when people are reaching for food, for comfort, for stress, distraction, boredom, whatever, it, that becomes their pattern. It becomes this, this cycle, right, if you will. And an effective strategy is to break that cycle, but you have to replace the food with something else. Initially, it's difficult. Initially, instinctually you'll, you know, cause that's your old pattern is you grab the, the food, but then you think, oh yeah, uh, you know, my, my trainer told me to take 10 breaths or meditate or, you know, 10 air squats or to journal how I'm feeling or something like that. Right. Now you've interrupted that cycle. Then you create a brand new pattern, but it takes practice. Oh, 100%. And I think when there's a lot, like the term awareness around food is thrown, thrown out a lot and it, it's pretty vague, but I really think this is kind of like what it comes back to. Just like these foods that we struggle to eat 
And like, if you have, like you talked about cookies, like if you struggle to eat those, it's not like, okay, being aware that cookies are bad or like, it's just like consciously getting to the point where you can consciously think about these decisions you're making and actually choose instead of like setting yourself up for failure, so to speak. That's right. It's when we let go of awareness that compulsions, uh, you know, start to take over. And, you know, you know, you know what it means to eat mindlessly. By the way, one of the ways that we tend to strengthen mindless eating is when we're eating while we're distracting ourselves with something else. It's, it, that really strengthens that pattern. So it's like, if I eat chips, a bag of chips, let's say I open a bag of chips and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the chips and thinking of the chips and savoring the taste, I'm going to eat less of them than if I sit and watch a movie and eat a bag of chips or think about something stressful and eat the bag of chips. It's, a, it's a, more of a distraction and you're more likely to eat, to eat compulsively. So awareness, even bringing awareness around the food that you eat. Like think about the last time that you, you know, quote, quote, had a binge, a binge behavior with food, you know, maybe not in the clinical sense, but where you just ate more than you knew you should have and it just hurt your stomach or whatever. You are, when you're taking a bite and in, in chewing on something, all you can think about is the next bite. You're not even thinking about the food that's in your mouth. It's not like I'm enjoying this Oreo cookie in my mouth. I want the next one. Right. And so what it looks like is eating as fast as possible. That's, a, that's the, a, one of the hallmarks of that type of compulsive eating versus, you know, I eat the Oreo cookie and I savor it. And I don't even care about the next one because I don't taste that one. The one I'm tasting is the one in my mouth right now. So I'm going to think about this one right now. That's bringing awareness around food. Oh, 100%. And one more great example of this, and then I don't want to take up too much time just talking about this, but I like the scarcity mindset with food is a huge thing that I talk through with clients. Like a great example of this is going to all inclusive resorts and people just feel like, okay, all this food's available. I need to eat as much as possible, right? Because I only have this for seven days and really just the <laughs> yeah. shift from like, okay, so it's okay to just choose your battle, so to speak. Like maybe you're in Mexico and you're going to enjoy some churros. Great. Do that. But then do you need to at every meal eat as much as possible just because it's available? And for a lot of people, just like that little change in thought is a big light bulb moment. Yeah, that's, you know what they call that in um, economics? What's that? They, they call that the sunk cost fallacy. Okay? okay. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I, uh, you know, I pay, I buy movie tickets for my wife and I. So I spend, you know, 20 bucks and we got movie tickets and we sit down at the movie in the movie and 30 minutes in, it's a crappy movie. I'm watching like this movie really, really sucks. Now, here's what happens with the sunk cost fallacy. I'll say to myself, I already paid for these tickets. I'm going to sit through this whole movie. Okay. Now, why is that a fallacy? You already spent the money. The right. money's already right. gone. So let's pretend you can't get a refund, right? The money is already gone. By you actually sitting there, forcing yourself to watch the whole movie, you're actually just now wasting time. The reality is if you realize it sucks, the money's gone anyway, get up and walk out. That's the smarter thing to do. Okay, so you're at this resort. You did all-inclusive. Money's gone. The money's already gone. Eating until your stomach hurts, stuffing your face, eating compulsively. Uh, you're not, not only are you not enjoying your vacation, who the hell loves feeling bloated, stuffed, poor <laughs> digestion? Nobody likes that, right? It doesn't feel right. good. So it's a sunk cost fallacy. And, it's, and, it, and now all we've done is we've, uh, we've applied it to food. The reality, look, you go to an all-inclusive uh, you know, all resort, that's great. Money's gone already. Now savor the food. 
enjoy your time, enjoy the alcohol. Don't make it about eating as much and drinking as much as possible because the reality is you don't enjoy yourself as much. You actually waste more of your vacation that way. It's, you, you don't get more of your, what people say, more of your money's worth. Not really when you're you know, laying in bed with a you know, stomach ache or you, wait, or you have a terrible uh, you know, hangover the next day. Right, right. No, I love that, man. I love that. All right, so I want to get a little bit deeper into the coaching side of things before you have to run here. Um, for coaches that want to build a sustainable career in fitness right now that are kind of just starting off, what do you think are the biggest things to really focus on? What do you really need to double down on in your first few years as a coach? Because like I said, okay. we do have quite a few coaches listening. Okay, so you're, are you talking about in the context of what's going on right now with the lockdown and everything? or uh, Just you know, like 2020, 21, 2021 going forward in yeah. the next well, decade. It's all, it's all the same. And now you're talking about coaches who train people in person or just the online or, or both? Just, just in general. I mean, I think there overall there's kind of a – everybody's wanting to get into the online space. So I would say coaches kind of trying to transition to an online space. Okay, perfect. So, all right. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. Number one. So I'll give you, um, I'll tell you, you know, I'll give you an example of a story that will kind of illustrate this. So let's say you opened a brick and mortar, uh, you know, personal training studio. So you have, you, you own a small studio, thousand square feet, a little bit of gym equipment, and it's just you and you're going to train clients and it's on the street. And you in the first, you know, week, 100 people walk in to see what you have and talk to you. Okay. That is amazing, right? If a hundred, imagine if a hundred people came in throughout the week to talk to you about your personal training studio and working out, like you're crushing, you're treating every single person with extreme value because it's a person in front of you. Right. Right. Now, now switch that to the online world. Oh, I only have a hundred followers. Oh, a hundred followers. That's nothing. Like we have, we have become so distorted with numbers of followers on social media that we, we fail to realize that, that those represent actual people and the real opportunities. So I would say, number one, don't worry about how many followers you have. Instead, worry about providing tremendous value to the ones that you do have. That is far more likely to produce success than the other way around. Uh, it's very, very rare that somebody actually gained the following where it's 100,000, 500,000, a million followers, where just the sheer number of followers builds their business. That's very rare. Don't count on that. It's probably not going to happen for you. Instead, you can build a six-figure business with like a couple thousand followers, a thousand followers, if you provide tremendous value. So instead of building a page thinking how many, how many followers I can get, build a page or media presence where you're, pre- you're presenting tremendous, tremendous value. So that would be the first thing uh, that I say. The second thing, and, and now how do you, uh, let me backtrack for a second. How do you provide that value? Number one, um, are you giving them good information that's usable for them? Is there a reason why they follow you that they find value besides just the way you look or something like that? Because I see a lot of fitness people posting how strong they are, how buff they are, and you know, whatever. That, that'll get you a lot of people looking at you, but that's not going to build you a business. You want to give them good value. I would also recommend creating free resources that you can give to people that, that require an opt-in. So, you know, you could, you could give someone like a, uh, you know, how to calculate your macros, create a whole, you know, free guide, make it look really good or 
you know, um, you know, a free workout uh, for building muscle or, you know, how to strengthen your core, whatever. Create these guides, make them free, uh, have people opt in for those with an email. Once you collect this, these emails, you know, 50 emails, 100 emails, whatever, now you have uh, an email list that you can start to build more value through. And what I would recommend with that is to send them uh, like, a, like a newsletter every other week, maybe a fitness tip, you know, uh, once a week, something that they, they look forward to opening. Because all, all we're doing now is we're just, pro, pro, again, we're just providing a shit ton of value. Those people right. are following you and they're thinking, man, you know, this girl's page, you know, every day she's posting something really interesting about nutrition or exercise. I love following her. Oh, you know, once a week I get this newsletter where she recommends fitness books and YouTube videos and she gives, she shows me and teaches me how to do a new exercise or something like that. So those are ways you could build uh, lots of value. And then, you know, you have a, let me put it this way. If you have a, an email list of, 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 500 people where a majority of them open your emails because they look forward to what you have to say. Every once in a while, you send them a, an email that says, hey, I have two openings for online clients. You know, let me know if you're interested. Those are going to fill up real fast, like right, real right. fast. It's a piece of cake. You're going to build a business off that, you know, no problem. So that, that, those are some, some and oh, answer your DMs, talk to people, ask them what their goals are, engage with them. Treat them as if they were a customer in your store, in a, in a brick and mortar store, and you're going to do a lot better. The second part uh, is to have integrity and to be real and authentic, okay? Authenticity doesn't guarantee success, but it does guarantee that if you do become successful, that it's much more long-term and you're, you're, you're happier with it. So what I mean by that is stay in your lane, present information that you know, you know that you can, you can communicate well, be who you are, be honest, uh, vulnerability, uh, is a great way to get people to, to see your authenticity. What I mean by that is tell them personal stories about your own challenges and struggles. Um, but you don't want to build a page in a business off of something that isn't you because in the unlikely event that that does build a big page with, with followers, you run into any of these people or you talk to them and you're, you're not yourself. Uh, you have to, you have to be someone else. Um, it's torturous. I know people like this, uh, <laughs> have, you know, media pages and they're just not themselves and you can see it. And then they're, they're just, they're just not happy. So be authentic uh, with that. And then the third thing, and this, this is just, you know, this is old business, uh, you know, uh, uh, advice is to uh, be consistent and it takes a long time. People I think expect when they do an online anything, especially through social media, they expect to do something viral and blow up over. They're constantly for that viral picture or that viral, you know, um, you know, that viral post. Very rare, almost never happens. Um, don't, don't worry about that. Instead, consistency. So you post one post every day or two posts every single day. Do that consistently. Every day you check the DMs at this time and this time and you engage with people asking you questions. You know, if you're going to send out a newsletter once a week, make sure it's the same day and the same time every single week and be consistent as hell. And, and give yourself, I would say, if you're, if you're trying to build an online business and to the point where you're doing great and you're successful, give yourself at least two years. 
Give yourself two years of really working and building and working and building. And that doesn't mean that it can't happen before two years. Uh, but, but I'd say for most people, give yourself two years of this kind of consistency of work. Um, and if you do everything right, uh, I'd say most people who are good and decent uh, should be able to build a, you know, a, a bit, enough of a business to where they're self-sustaining and now this is their career. I agree 100%, man. And yeah, all that, I love all that. I couldn't agree more. Basically, give value, be real, and be super consistent. Um, I remember one, actually, before I started blogging with you guys, actually talking on the phone to you about, yeah, dude, like all these people are going to be shuffled, shuttled to your Instagram page from the blog. So first and foremost, you need to start posting. And I thought like, fuck, I'm going to blow up overnight. This is going to be crazy. I'm going to have thousands and thousands of followers. And then the reality is for me, like it was posting crazy consistently for six months, a year, and then things started to pick up. But I think that so many people, especially with online coaching, think that they're going to get into it with just like I did. Like it's just going to blow up they think it's just going to blow up overnight, which is really never the case. It doesn't seem. No, no business does that. I mean, right. you hear the stories, right? Uh, but it's that it's so rare. And if you can't like count, it's like trying to count on winning the lottery. Like, oh, right. I'm going to win the lottery and be rich. Like, okay, yeah, some people win the lottery, <laughs> but, but most people don't. And if you're banking on that, you're screwed. No, you, you, you build your business consistently over time, work hard, provide a shit ton of value. I mean, look, you know, when we started Mind Pump, we, the, the, the whole first year, we didn't sell anything. We didn't try to sell anything. The goal was to build as much value as possible. And trust me, we could have. We could have sold not that soon after we started. I mean, right when we started, we kind of got a nice foothold and we started growing pretty rapidly. But we, did, we wanted to build as much value as possible. And we waited a full year. And in that first month, that first month, a year later, when we sold Maps Anabolic for the first time, which, by the way, was ready to be sold day one. Right. I created that program years before Mind Pump ever started. As soon as we turned it on, boom, we had a business. And it worked out real well. But it, we were meeting up, recording hours of podcasts, working, editing, posting for a year right. for free. Right. For an entire year. So, look, no business is built uh, overnight. Uh, it's going to take some time. Give yourself two years. And if you don't want it, if that's too, too long, oh, my God, that's too long, you're probably not going to succeed at any other business. <laughs> two years <laughs> is short. It's short. Trust me. Talk to anybody that's successful in business, and they'll tell you it takes years and years. So I'm saying just give yourself two years of consistently building value, um, and, then, and then watch what happens. 100%, man. I've had the honor of having a lot of – really like I had Jill Coleman on just this morning and we were talking about the same thing. Just it always, every super successful coach that I've talked to on this podcast, it always comes back to just give, give, give for a long time, focus on giving, not making money. And it all eventually comes back to you. That's right. It does. It does. And it's just, again, it's that consistency. A lot of people don't want to hear that uh, because uh, it takes work. It's hard. It's slower. You know, I want it, I want it to happen yesterday, you know, um, but uh, it's the truth. It just is the truth. And this is true for anything. Look, you want to get, look, you never worked out before and you want to just, you want to be ripped. Sorry, ain't going to happen overnight. It's not going <laughs> to, you want to get a really good squat. It's not going to happen over. It takes practice. 
And by right. the way, right. you know, here's the important thing, the, the real important thing. You know, if I, if I took, uh, if I flew somebody in a helicopter to the top of Mount Everest and dropped them off at the top, they would still have a beautiful view, but would, would they have at all the experience of the person that climbed the mountain? Would they have learned the same things and grown as much? It really isn't about the peak of the, of the, of the mountain. It's about the journey. And if, even if you did blow up overnight, you, you're not going to be a success. It, going back to the lottery winners, vast majority of them go bankrupt or are very sad. You're, you know, two, three years after they win the lottery. They didn't learn how to build that wealth and keep that wealth. They didn't learn any of, they didn't have the journey. They just got to the destination. So, you know, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the struggle. Learn to love the discipline and then you'll get there for sure. And, and forget, there is really no there. Uh, once you start to love the journey, the whole time, it's a, it's a great time. I, I, the more successful you become, doesn't matter. You're just still loving the journey. I love it, man. And very much, we could definitely tie that into your fitness journey as well, right? A hundred percent. Totally. Like if there was a magic pill that you could take that would make you lean and muscular and all that stuff, you're not going to learn the, the relation, how to build a relationship with food. You're not going to learn how to enjoy exercise and taking care of yourself in the same way. You're just going to have the, the results of it, and that's it. And uh, it's not at all the same. Every, all the benefits I got from exercise and nutrition are most of the benefits are not the physical benefits. Most of the benefits are learning how to get there and do it and make that the way that I live and the way that I take care of myself. That's where the real value is. 100%, man. I couldn't agree more. All right, brother. I know you got to run here pretty quick. Again, I so appreciate you coming on. And I just want to thank you one more time personally for everything you and Mind Pump have done. I know you've helped me a ton in my own career and my own personal growth. And so many other coaches that I know could say the same thing. So just wanted to thank you all one more time. Um, before I let you go, anything at all going on at Mind Pump that you would like to plug? Yeah, um, you know, I always like to tell people to check out our free resources because that's, uh, we, we try to produce as much free information as possible mindpumpfree.com and you have a lot of coaches and trainers uh that listen so i would there's a personal trainer guide uh that i wrote um that's there that you can check out that talks about you know how to be a successful trainer or where to start or whatever so if you're new you'll probably find value but there's other guides and stuff there as well and then the other thing is our youtube channel we got lots of free videos and we post videos every single week there that's mind pump tv um, and then of course, uh, of course, uh, excuse me, of course, our podcast, Mind Pump. Oh, and then finally, you know, uh, if you're training clients virtually right now, I know a lot of trainers are because of uh, the shelter in place and, you know, what's going on with COVID. Um, check out Maps Prime and Prime Pro. Those are extremely valuable tools for personal trainers. They teach you correctional exercise. They teach you how to put it together don't need any equipment. You could use those as tools to coach your clients virtually. It'll bring them tremendous, tremendous value. Um, both of those are also uh, 50% off um, this month right now. We, we, we really wanted to kind of target trainers and help them out because we have a lot of messages from trainers who are doing the virtual thing. Use the code PRIME50 to get the 50% off. It's the word PRIME and then the number uh, 50. 100% man and personally like I know when I got Prime and Prime Pro way back that was a huge shift in how I train people for the better awesome. so I couldn't recommend that more myself all right man I will link all that up in the show notes again thank you so much for being here thanks brother appreciate it of course talk soon